Now there are answers. Welcome to Live Prayer. And welcome to Live Prayer. I am Bill Keller. Good to be with you on this Friday evening. I pray you had a wonderful day. It's good to be get together once again if you're new to the program. You are watching Live Prayer. We come to you live in living color every Monday through Friday, 11 to midnight Eastern Standard Time, wherever you're watching me throughout this great nation of ours tonight, from sea to shining sea and from border to border. Thank you for tuning in. Friends in other far off great lands, welcome to you as well. Once again, I am Bill Keller, founder of LivePrayer.com, world's largest interactive Christian website, Reach a little over two and a half million folks each and every day via the internet. Please check us out online. Web address coming up on your screen, liveprayer.com, liveprayer.com. Check it out. Everything's free. Thousands and thousands of hours of content, all produced here at Live Prayer, all to be a blessing to you and all for free. Very easy to navigate website. Check it out. So I pray you had a good day today as we are wrapping up our first real full week of 2024. It's uh, been a long week, folks. Woo, I gotta be honest with you, it's been a long week, but we have some good content for you tonight to close the week out. Get us into the weekend where we can rest, relax a little bit, eat some good food, go to church, right? And uh, get everything rubbed up for next. Oh, that's right. Next week, so it's a real week, but Monday is technically a federal holiday, Martin Luther King Day. So you've got no banks, you've got no post office, you've got no federal operations on Monday. But uh, we will be here Monday night to get the week started. So uh, do not fret, do not fret. Four things I ask you to do for me each night on the program. First, pray for me. Pray for the program. I appreciate that more than you know. Second, continue to tell people about the Live Prayer Daily Devotional. It's our main ministry tool here at Live Prayer. All they have to do to sign up is go to my homepage, upper right-hand corner. Click on the sign-up link. That will uh, take them to a uh, place where they put in a few pieces of basic information. They'll be all set to go. Third, of course, is this TV program. I will implore you and ask you and beg you to tell the people in your life to know that, that you know this, it, this year is so critical. They need to understand that this is probably, since the, war, since the Civil War, the most critical year in the history of this nation. And we will be here each night, as we are every year, each night to chronicle it. But they need to understand what's going on. They need to be plugged in. Tell people about the program and tell them to tune in, please. Last, of course, if this ministry has been a blessing to you, please pray about supporting us. We aren't here because of the clever tricks of man. We aren't here because of some great marketing strategy. We are here simply because this is where God has planted us. And God has also given us friends like you to support us. That's why we've been here 30 years now, going on 25 years online this March, 21 years on TV, all possible because friends like you pray and friends like you make that sacrifice. Up right in corner of my homepage, again, is our donation link. Click on it. Gives you our address in Florida to drop a check in the mail as well as a link to our credit card portal if you want to help us that way. Thank you so much. Uh, let's pray. We will get started. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this wonderful night. 
this beautiful week that we've really begun to start laying our flag in this year of 2024 for you. I thank you for my friends, Lord. I lift them up. I pray for them. I pray for their families. I pray your blessings be upon them and every need be met. Thank you for this day we've enjoyed, the blessings. And now, Lord, we commit this hour to you. Use it for your glory. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, let me start tonight with probably the most impactful issue of the day. And that was our bombing raid last night in Yemen uh, over the territories of the Houthis, which is a Muslim terror group that, of course, is financed and backed by Iran. Uh, as you know, for the last what, 90 days, we have incurred hundreds of attacks on our troops in the uh, Middle East, in Syria, in Iraq, uh, by Houthi rebels, in addition to the disruption they have uh, been uh, uh, making on the, in, on the shipping channels in the Red Sea, the Suez Canal, uh, they've wreaked havoc on that. And uh, after more attacks on our ships there, we have finally fired back. Now, certainly not a an exchange that's going to uh, change the game. All right. Weak, like everything we do. But along with the UK, we did go on some bombing raids. Now, <laughs> Here's the thing that gets me. Our great Secretary of State, Tony Winken Blinken, briefed the leaders of Turkey, Greece, Jordan, Qatar, the UAE, and Saudi Arabia prior to our, 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 our strikes on Yemen and on the Houthis. Now, how many people sit there, sitting here tonight, think that Somebody in these Muslim-friendly countries didn't tip the Yemen, Yemenis out there. Yeah, hey, the uh, Americans are coming. They're going to be doing this. They're going to be doing that. I mean, we have fools. We have fools for ambassadors. We have fools for secretaries of uh, our various departments. Fools. And once again, the fools have uh, risen to the top. Anyway, we ran these bombing raids. Um, I understand we might run some more. Of course, the Houthis, they're, they're, they're backed by Iran. Um, and, and, and here's the thing. Trump had declared them a terror organization. But guess what? Day one of the Biden administration... They took that terror organization tag off of them. Of course they did, because of course, don't forget, it's not Biden running the country, it's Obama. Obama is pro, 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 pro Iran. So of course they did. Um, and the other thing is, Trump had sanctioned Iran to the point of near bankruptcy, to the point that had he 
not had 2020 stolen from him, he would have been in a beautiful, beautiful position to pretty much make Iran do our bidding, be peaceful. They would not have had money to fund Hezbollah, Hamas, October 7th, the Houthis, and their other terror operations. But of course, once again, day one, what did Biden, Obama do? Lifted the sanctions so they could earn hundreds of billions of dollars to fund their terror operations. It is absolutely disgusting. I, and to be blunt with you, I don't know, put it this way, just like day one, they lifted, they, they, they reversed all of the Trump era immigration policies, which literally opened the border, okay? They did the same thing when it came to Iran, lifted all the sanctions, reversed the uh, terror tag on the hoodies, and, and we're reaping the benefits of that now, or the world's reaping the benefits of that now. It's unbelievable. None of these things have happened. They're all happening because Obama did this on purpose. So, so what do we have going on right now? Well, let's see. We started a war in Ukraine, between Ukraine and Russia. We did. Victoria Newland, our State Department, our CIA, we did. Okay? We don't know a number yet, but conservatively, hundreds, thousands of Russians and Ukrainians have died needlessly, okay? Because at the end of the day, nothing's going to change. You've got the October 7th invasion of Israel by Hamas, and now the subsequent war that has taken place. Again, totally, 100% due to the reversal of Trump era policies. We've got the Houthis in Yemen that are wreaking havoc in the region, shutting down the shipping channels in the Red Sea, the Suez Canal, forcing commercial ships now to go all the way down to the Horn of Africa, adding weeks to their journey, lots of extra costs to the, uh, uh, to the cargo. And then, of course, don't forget we have China. Good old China. By the way, we have uh, elections in Taiwan this weekend. And based on how those elections turn out, uh, the invasion, the takeover of Taiwan by China, which is going to happen imminently, will either be easy or hard. I mean, I mean I, it, there really is no other way to categorize it. Based on these elections, you're either going to have a you either going to have a leader of Taiwan who's going to make the Chinese capture of Taiwan easy, or the capture of Taiwan hard. Okay, either way, China's taking Taiwan, folks. And anybody's watch this program. I have told you that for years now. And just like the pathetic, embarrassing withdrawal from Afghanistan, which many people call the absolute worst moment 
in the history of U.S. foreign policy, and I certainly am nobody to dismiss that. Um, that set the stage for Putin and his aggression in Ukraine. And it certainly set the stage for China's takeover of Taiwan. And I've always told you it's not a matter of if, only when, and when would be before the election because everybody knows there's a very good chance, God wills it, Donald Trump will be back in the Oval Office. And so all these things have to happen prior to November, okay? So we have the elections in Taiwan this weekend, and that's either going to make that takeover easy or hard. Monday, I will be able to give you a much better picture of that, okay? So technically right now, the first president who started no new wars in 72 years, Donald J. Trump, having the election stolen in 2020, having the illegitimate Biden regime in power, which is being run, of course, by Barack Hussein Obama. Technically, we are now involved in three wars. And don't make any mistake, even though Iran, uh, Ukrainians are dying in their country, it is the United States that really is pushing that war have pushed that war, will continue to push that war until, I guess, the money runs out, then there is no more war, right? So we have that going on. Then, of course, what's going on in Israel, which we have more involvement than most people can understand. And uh, then we have this new situation in Yemen. And don't forget what I told you. Hey, for those people who watch this program faithfully, remember what I told you. They are not just going to let Donald Trump waltz back into the Oval Office. They will do whatever is necessary to try to keep him out, including, including getting us involved in a war, at which time Joe Biden may and could and very well might declare some sort of a you know, national emergency, which would give him emergency powers, including postponing elections. What greater national emergency than the fact we're at war in the Middle East? Just saying. Just saying. Um, read a study last night about an incredible uptick, a spike if you want to call it that, in cancer amongst young people over the past 18 months. Now, this particular article was not making any claims. It was not um, it was not um, coming to any conclusions. They were not pontificating about the cause of the spike. But when you look at this article and you read this article and you understand that the time frame they're talking about is the last 18 months, what happened in the last 18 months that could possibly cause a spike in cancer 
amongst young people. Well, the only event I know that could be a possible contributor, and I'm not sitting here tonight saying this is the reason, but I'm just looking at, well, what's what happened in the past 18 months that possibly could be causing this? Uh, that would be the mass, mass inoculation of the public for the Chinese flu, the vax. And we already know, and it's well documented, all the other issues with the vax. And you know, you know what the amazing thing is? So much of the negative effects of the vax are affecting the people that benefited from the vax the least. Young, healthy men, cardio, you know, the, the, all the heart issues, you know, all the heart issues. Young, healthy women primarily with the reproductive problems. And I'm just telling you, there has been a, a, a legitimate spike in cancer amongst young people in the past 18 months. And again, this article was not trying to come to a conclusion of what caused it. But what's happened in the last 18 months that's, quote unquote, maybe out of the norm from the previous years, and that'd be the vaccine. And again, we have seen the vaccine have very negative effects primarily on a segment of society that was the least likely to have a problem even if they were infected with COVID. Natural immunity kicks in. They have some problems, but at the end of the day, they, they, they fight it off, and they're fine. And, and, and now they've got natural immunity. Unbelievable. By the way, Hertz issued a notice today that they're selling their fleet of 20,000 electric vehicles and exchanging them for gas-powered cars. Apparently, now I know you're going to be shocked, okay? I, you know, sit down. I don't want anybody to, you know, be, you know, have a problem with this. You know, sit down. I don't, I, I don't want you to be shocked to a place where you fall over. Hertz said that nobody wanted to rent their electric cars. They wanted gas cars, not electric cars. And thus their, 20, 000, their fleet of 20,000 electric cars basically went virtually unused, and now they're dumping them and exchanging them for gas-powered cars. Big shock. I, I know, I know, I know, I know this audience is in shock tonight. Um, Martin Scorsese. Obviously, a legendary filmmaker. Obviously, a uh, you know an incredible talent. But you know, at some point, these people just don't know when to stop. He is making a new movie. He's in the process of making a new movie, and uh, it's a different look at the life of Jesus. And. and what has leaked out is he plans on putting Jennifer Lawrence, great actress, he plans on casting her in the role of Jesus, and he plans on casting Emma Stone, another great actress, in the role of Judas, okay? 
Again, more Hollywood blasphemy. They don't care, folks. If you're offended, they don't care. And uh, what they view as art is viewed by people of faith as pure mockery and blasphemy. And then you've got Houston, Texas. Seven men have been uh, accused of sexually assaulting toddlers in the restroom of a very high-end Houston mall. Uh, one of these malls that's got all the high-end, you know, Saks Fifth Avenue, Nima Marcus, you know, it's a, it, it's a, it's a, it's a specialty mall with all the high-end shops. These seven men have been accused of sexually assaulting toddlers in the restroom of this mall. Okay, one's in custody. Okay, thankfully, and they're looking for the other six. But can I tell you something? This is sick. I hope these seven people. I hope they're all caught. I hope they are prosecuted to the furthest extent of the law. If found guilty, guilty, I hope some way, somehow, they're punished above and beyond any punishment that you can imagine. But I want to use this to remind you, and this is one of those moments where months, maybe years, could be months though, down the road, when it is legal for adults to have sex with children in this country, don't come emailing me, Bill, how did this happen? It happened because the church is asleep. It happened because the church doesn't pay attention to what's going on in the lost, lost culture around us. It happened because the church refuses to speak out. Obviously, there are lots of people speaking out against this kind of abuse of children, okay? But I have to be honest with you. I'm not hearing hardly word one from the church. And again, I'm not trying to demean in any way the church, your church, any church. How many Sundays do you hear these kind of situations from the pulpit? But Bill, my pastor, goes to 1 Kings and he does an exegesis of 1 Kings 7. Beautiful, I got it, great. That's what pastors need to do. But they also need to deal with the reality of the world we live in. It needs to be spoken about. It needs to be pointed out. And Christians need to be challenged that the reason the culture around us is lost and sinking deeper into the abyss each and every day is because the church doesn't say a word. But Bill, this is a this is a criminal act and the law enforcement. Yeah, I got it. But what is the basis? What is the foundation of this criminal act? Why did why do these things why are these things happening? 50 years ago, were there seven men sexually assaulting toddlers? Yeah, probably were. And yes, we didn't have the internet, we didn't have all the news, so a lot of people didn't hear about it. But I guarantee you that pastor would pastors around the country would speak out against such sin. 
and declared this type of sin as part of our fallen culture and talk about how Christians need to take a stand against the lost culture we live in. That's the point. If we don't push back against the lost culture, this is why you have Martin, a great filmmaker like Martin Scorsese making a movie about Jesus where he's got a female playing Jesus. Jesus was a man. Sorry. Hate to break it to you. Well, does God have a gender? No. I mean, technically, we refer to God in with, with, with male pronouns, but no, God is genderless. Jesus, however, was a man, a biological male, wasn't a woman. Judas was a biological male, he wasn't a woman. Last night I told you about this rapper, Lil Nas X, with his new music video, Jesus C, where he's sitting there taking communion uh, 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 cups, representing the, the, the blood of Christ, and drinking them down like water. And stuffing his mouth full of the communion wafers. Representing the body of Christ. Like they're potato chips. And then at the end he's got himself hanging on a cross. Like Jesus on Golgotha. The blasphemy doesn't stop. And the church never says a word. Listen. He has every right in this country. We have great freedoms. He has every right to mock communion, to mock the, the, the crucifixion of Christ. He has every right to do that. And the fact that a major corporation would be involved in such blasphemy is really telling about how they feel about Christians and Christianity. But they still have a the freedoms to do that. But we also have freedoms, and we have the freedoms to call this out, to call this blasphemy out. Yet we sit back in silence because most people don't even know about it. That's why the culture, instead of the church influencing the culture, the culture influences the church. And then you got our fascist friends up north in Canada, fascist not because of the people, but because of their leader, Justin Castro Trudeau. There was a journalist who was trying to question the Ministry of Finance. Her name is Christia Freeland. Oh, she's a piece of work. She's a World Economic Forum devotee. She's all in on the globalist movement. And she was on the way to her office walking and a journalist from Rebel News, which is, Rebel News is kind of like the Breitbart News of Canada, okay? And he was simply asking her questions. Wasn't interrupting her gait, wasn't stopping her, wasn't prohibiting her from moving. He was just walking beside her asking questions and along come security and then police and they arrested this guy arrested him for simply questioning the ministry of finance of canada 
And then the police put out a, I don't know if you call it a warning, a notice, whatever you want to call it. Apparently, people in Canada, using their ring doorbell videos, right? They've been posting videos of people who are stealing packages. You know, the porch pirates, right? And the police put out a notice that posting videos of package thieves violates their privacy. Please stop doing this. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't worry about identifying people stealing people's packages. Please don't do that because you're violating their privacy. <laughs> privacy for what? From stealing your packages? Really? Oh, man. And then you got the big, bad Christian from Alabama, Joe Scarborough. On the adultery hour on MSNBC every morning, every Monday through Friday morning. And of course, he's out there like a good globalist pushing for a two state solution, which we're not going to get in that tight because hopefully I don't have to do that anymore with this audience. But it just goes to show you that the Democrats, liberals, progressive globalists, they are always on the wrong side of history. Every single time. They're on the wrong side of history. It just, it's, it, 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 it's, it's amazing to sit back and watch them every single time be wrong. Hunter Biden's lawyer says, well, you know what? Hunter decided he's going to testify now. Send us a new subpoena and we will you know, make arrangements. Uh, excuse me, Abby Lowell, very good lawyer. If you've got the resources and you ever have legal problems, and you and, and Abby Lowell is a guy you want. He's a long, he goes back to the Clinton days. He represented Clinton during the all of his problems back in the late 90s. Okay, that gives you just an idea of the esteem that Abby Lowell is held in, okay? But they say, we want it, but, but he said, but we want a new subpoena. The old one's no good. No, no, Abby, nice try. The old one's fine. The old one is the one that you're being, your client's being held in contempt of Congress on, okay? So it sounds very magnanimous. It sounds like, yeah, just send us a new subpoena and we'll comply. No, Abby, you've got a good subpoena now. You're already demanded to comply. And now you're being held in contempt. And next week, Congress is going to follow through on that contempt citation. Hold your client in contempt. But your client can escape all the penalties of contempt by setting a date and coming on in and doing what any other citizen has to do and testify behind closed doors. Okay? That's the way it works. So, this is just more grandstanding. We will see how it plays out next week, but right before the program, I did get hold of a 
copy of a letter that Comer sent to Abby Lowell, Hunter Biden's attorney, that told him basically, listen, you've got a good subpoena. That's the one you need to honor. We're not sending you a new one. We will follow through next week and hold your client in contempt. And your client can take care of this by coming in and obeying the subpoena like every other citizen has to do. So we will see how this plays out the next week. But more more theatrics, theatrics from the uh, Hunter Biden camp. Um, next week, oh boy, next week, it's World Economic Forum Week at Davos. All those private jets are getting gassed up, ready to take their flight over to Davos and be amongst all the beautiful people for a week. So we will have a lot going on next week, I'm sure, as the events of the World Economic Forum, the Klaus Schwabies, uh, make news. There is one issue, though, that is already in the news. Apparently, obviously, the World Health Organization, part of the UN, is a big player in the whole WEF uh, scenario. And they will be speaking to the establishment, the elites that are gathered in Davos about disease X. What's disease X, Bill? Well, this is a prediction, a prediction and they're going to kind of game plan out a pandemic that has 20 times the deadly nature of COVID. Um, you know, these elites are always wargaming. They're always playing these scenarios and taking them out to see how all this turns out. But apparently one of the big pushes next week amongst the elites in Davos is going to be the war gaming of disease X. Now, one reason I share this with you is because it now turns out that two years before the Chinese flu visited the world, they had a similar war game on a global pandemic that was very similar to what COVID actually was. Now, I'm not going to sit here and get in the conspiratorial weeds and, you know, get into all this, uh, you know, killing off the population. All that. I'm very familiar with all that. I'm just not going to go there. It doesn't serve our purpose really to do that. But it does, it is worth mentioning that two years before COVID at the World Economic Forum, there was a, 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 a war gaming, if you want to call it that, of the uh, pretty much the exact global pandemic that we went through with COVID. So 
it is because of that that I do mention that they are going to be wargaming out uh, Disease X, which of course is a global pandemic that is 20 times more deadly than what COVID was. So I will keep you abreast. And listen, trust me when I tell you, in no way, shape, or form am I minimizing or in any way ignoring the evil of these people, okay? Because they are, they're truly evil people. I mean, they are probably as close as you're going to get to real life Bond villains, right? Um, you know, it's the Bill Gates of the world and, you know, these globalist billionaires that think that they can control the world. And to be, to, I mean, to be blunt, I mean, let's be honest, to some extent, you know, they do have a role in how world events play out. They really do. Uh, in the state of Maine, they're building a brand new apartment building for illegals. And they're going to give them two years free rent. I wonder how many homeless people would love to have an apartment building for them to go to at night with free rent. I'm just, just asking questions. By the way, probably I have gotten more emails about this issue in the last few days than anything I can remember in a long time. And I know many people are very upset and I'm not trying to, I, I don't do this to upset people, okay? I do this to inform people, to educate people. But this whole topic of, of illegals being forced to live in your house, it is just, it's driven some people really very angry. And I, I get it, and you should be. But I'm just, I'm just trying to help you understand some of the things that, you know, are coming down. The, and, and, and listen, since I first talked about this on Wednesday night, you now have politicians in Massachusetts and in a couple other states that are now openly talking about private citizens putting up illegals in their home. I mean, this is not some rantings of a wild man, okay? I mean, and to be blunt with you, I looked through my notes, it was about three, four months ago that I first started at least throwing this out, putting this on the table. Because listen, we've got, a, we've got whoever you listen to, eight to 10 million people right now, in this country illegally, and by the time Biden's done with his first term, probably 12 to 13 million, couple million gotaways, 15 million illegals in this country. Where are all these people supposed to live? I mean, we've got the greatest homeless population in the country as I speak to you right now. Shh. 
Chicago Public Schools, and I, now this is going to shock you. Apparently, they've lost $23 million in laptops and other electronic devices in the last 12 months. I mean, I just can't imagine people stealing $23 million of laptops and other electronic devices from the Chicago school system. Fox, man, oh, oh, you would think, if you turn on Fox, you would think, not only is Nikki Haley going to be the next president, she is Jesus Christ incarnate walking on water. I mean, I mean, I hate to put in those terms, but it is unbelievable the way they're propping this woman up. Neocon Nikki. Okay, she is a globalist. She is as close to a devotee of the World Economic Forum as any politician in this country right now, on the Republican side, by the way. Um, she is an establishment tool. Okay, all the money that was back in dissent. By the way. She's past DeSantis now in Iowa in terms of the polling. She's in second place now. And again, I'm just telling you what I was told by some very serious people in the know. They told me that on Tuesday, DeSantis is going to drop out, begrudgingly endorse Trump. Uh, that was with him in second. And apparently he's falling like a rock in Iowa. And uh, and to be honest with you, if, if he does come in third in Iowa, now there's talk he's going to go from Iowa to South Carolina, bypass New Hampshire. Again, we'll see what happens. But everything I've been told on Tuesday, he's out. So we will find out. Um, and if he isn't out, he's going to be out. If he comes in third in Iowa, he's out. Okay, whether he's physically tap it out or not, he's out. I mean, they're all out to begin with. This whole prime. I told you six months ago, this primary is nothing but a way to try to damage, obviously take Trump out if possible, but if not, damage him. And they're going to drain, at the end of the day, five, six, seven hundred million dollars that could be used to fight the cheating of the Democrats, to prop up, you know, America First movement candidates in the House and Senate, along with Trump. Um, not to mention six months of precious time that's not going to come back. But this is all part of the hate Trump, stop Trump movement amongst Republicans. Nikki Haley is not going to be the nominee. She's not going to be president. Okay? No matter what she does in Iowa, no matter what she does in New Hampshire, no matter what she does in South Carolina. Super Tuesdays after that. By the end of Super Tuesday, Trump will be the nominee. That's fact. Nikki Haley is not going to be the nominee. But boy, you turn on Fox, man, you'd think she's already the president. 
Um, Joe Biden was in uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania. You notice he's always in Maryland, Pennsylvania. He's always within an hour of D.C. and always within an hour going back home to Delaware. Allentown's, you know, just stone's throw from Joe's house in Delaware. He gave a few minutes speech about Bidenomics. And then, amazing thing, I, I, it didn't hit me at first. But as I was watching the video made for the third or fourth time, he strolls into a coffee shop. Like he's just stopping in to get a coffee, right? And first of all, some people yelled at him some very bad things when he was walking the coffee shop. You know, people that were just on the sidewalk. Which is why they can't let Joe go out public because the hecklers will follow him everywhere. Okay? But he walks in the coffee shop. He gets a coffee. Oh, the first thing he does, he gets his coffee. And number one, there's only like five or six people in the whole place. But one of the people in the place was a little girl. So she made 12, 10, 12, something like that. Makes a beeline right for him. And he like gets close to her. And you can see she's like creeped out. She's like trying to, you know, get a, some distance from him, you know. He's a sick man. He's a sick man. But here's the point. As he was walking, and, and then after he got his coffee, he turned around to the five people. Coffee's on me! And that's when it hit me. Joe's trying to be like Trump. Have you noticed when Trump now goes to do these different rallies and whatever, he stops in a pizza place or a hamburger stand or, you know, and the place is mobbed. And when he walks in, they're cheering. They're Trump, 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 Trump. And Trump always says, yeah, pizza's on me or something. It's Joe trying to be like Trump. And it was like pathetic. It's a joke. Number one, I can tell you, first of all, I can tell you when Trump goes to one of these places, the Secret Service has been there in advance to scope the place out. I'm sure do some kind of a sweep for metals and weapons and stuff, okay? So it's, while it's, it looks spontaneous and it feels spontaneous, there is an advanced team that has been there and made sure to the best of their ability who these, you know, at least not who these people are, but make sure these people are like armed or things like that. You know what I'm saying? Joe walks in, there's five people. And I'll tell you why there's five people. It's probably because they not only did the sweep for the weapons, and they, they probably made sure that the only people in there are people that weren't going to Yell, you know, you know, go Brandon, go! <laughs> or something worse, right? But it hit me when he said, yeah, coffee's on me! To the five people, okay? A couple of them were little kids. Um, he's trying to be like Trump. Trying to be like Trump. Kind of, it's, it's sad in one way, I guess, kind of funny in another. And, uh, oh, 
the whole Biden team is using this phrase, don't. Because when he was in the coffee shop, there were some journalists there, and he couldn't escape a few questions. And, you know, what do you have to say about this, Joe? What you? And you know, Joe was says, don't. Don't. And you've even got these clowns like Blinken and these other people in his cabinet when they're questioned, we have one word for them, don't. <laughs> like, okay, okay. Oh, we won't, we won't, Joe, we won't. We're scared, Joe. Then he got this American journalist in Ukraine. His name's Gonzalo Lira. He was uh, reported dead last night in a Ukrainian prison. Now, why was this American journalist in a Ukrainian prison? Well, he was writing the truth about Zelensky, about the Biden regime and their role in the Ukrainian war. And six months ago, they bagged him on the street and threw him into a Ukrainian prison. And from all accounts, he was routinely tortured in that prison. And last night it was reported that he died in that prison. Now, here's the sick reality. Obama's point person who runs the Department of State, not Lincoln Blinken, Victoria Newland, right? Good old Newland, uh, Putin hating Newland, the one who is most personally responsible for this whole war in Ukraine, okay? As the head of the State Department over Ukraine, she could have made one phone call and Gonzalo Lira would have been released. They could have put him on a plane back to the U.S. and he'd be alive tonight. She never made any phone calls to release Gonzalo Lira. Nope. She was just fine with him where he was in a Ukrainian prison for the last six months being tortured because he dared to speak out against Zelensky and his corrupt administration. And he dared to speak out against Joe Biden and the Americans who are ki literally killing Ukrainians. He dared to speak out. So for speaking out, he was bagged, taken off the street, thrown in a prison, tortured for six months, and by some means last night, he died. Newland could have freed him in two seconds, if she wanted to. She didn't want to. Uh, the, this fake January 6th commission of Pelosi's, the Kangaroo Kabuki Commission, I have a feeling it is going to explode. And when I say explode, I mean explode. Um, we now know that they were very close 
and in touch constantly with Fonnie Willis in Fulton County. Remember I told you Fonnie Willis is not really a smart person? And this whole RICO thing was very advanced, very intricate, very technical, well, far beyond anything she could have ever dreamed up, number one, or put together, along with Trump and 18 other people, I might say, right? Well, that's because she didn't put it together. The lawfare people in the White House and in the January 6th, they're the people that put it together and walked her through it step by step. She was in constant contact with these people. And their main, their main, the main point person was Mary McCord. Oh, there's that name again. Mary McCord. High level DOJ operative during uh, the Obama years. She was high up in the DOJ for the whole Trump-Russia scam, okay? Then she became intimately involved and a very big player in the Trump impeachments, okay? And then she became really the number one investigator, um, overseer, of the whole January 6th Kabuki Commission, okay, Mary McCord. And she was in close communication for a long time with Bonnie Willis, putting that whole, you know, sick indictment together. And just, and, and now we, now we, we have total documented evidence now. The White House was involved in all four of Trump's criminal indictments. The one in Georgia, the uh, Alvin Bragg Manhattan District Attorney, his indictment of Trump. Uh, the two, obviously, uh, federal cases that are have been brought by Jack Smith, okay? Total coordination with the White House, and along with Tish James, Tish James' uh, uh, New York State civil case to try to bankrupt Trump. White House totally... Involved. And we have we have documentation now. It's not a some. It's not a well. I think they were, and they might have been. Well, maybe they were. No, we've got documented evidence. They were involved in everything. Okay. But I have a feeling that as all this unwinds, especially now thanks to the Fulton County situation that is just imploding, that uh, it's gonna open the doors to uh, bringing down the whole January 6th commission scam, which is what it was. It wasn't there to investigate. It was there to indict Donald Trump and indict half the population that didn't vote for Joe Biden. That's what January 6th was about. That's And the January 6th commission was there to basically buttress and bolster that uh, supposition. But I have a feeling it's going to blow. And don't forget, they destroyed tons of it. You know, you, you know at the end of the Mueller investigation, they wanted all the uh, text messages and stuff from Mueller's team. 
but they purposely wiped their phones clean. Hillary Clinton, 30,000 emails, wiped clean with a cloth. Okay. January 6th commission, destroyed evidence. Isn't it amazing? And, and just so you know, and I can tell you from personal experience from over 30 years ago, um, if you are ever involved with the federal government, whether it's the IRS, the SEC, the FTC, the, uh, hopefully the DO, never the DOJ, but if you're involved with the government anyway, and they are looking for certain records, God help you if you destroy those records. That is called obstruction of justice. That right there, that's five years of your life in prison. Just that, if, even if you did nothing wrong, if they're looking for records and you destroy them, if you did, if whatever they're looking at you, whether it's IRS or DOJ or whatever, even if you are totally innocent of whatever they're looking at you for, if you just, you know, if you destroy records they're looking for, that right there, that's five years of your life in prison. All right, I got to get out of here. We're running real late. Listen, before we get out of here for the week, if you never made a decision for Jesus, I want to give you a chance to do that right now because when you take your last breath like we all will, stand before God like we all will, only thing that matters is you have a relationship with Jesus. If you don't, but you want to, pray with me now. Dear Lord, I come to you tonight asking you to forgive me of my sins. Lord, tonight I believe in my heart. Confess with my mouth. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And tonight, Lord, I surrender my life to you now and forevermore. I am yours in Jesus' name. My friend, if you made that commitment, you're saved, not because you said a few words, because of your faith in God's grace. Have a book I'll send you. won't cost you anything. Drop me an email, bkellerliveprayer.com. I'll get it out to you. If you need prayer for anything, don't hesitate to email me, bkellerliveprayer.com. Have a good weekend. Relax. If you're a football fan, you know, it's playoff. It's a wild card weekend. Great football games this weekend. If you're not, that's fine. Do something you enjoy. I know there's bad weather everywhere. Please be safe this weekend. Stay warm. Stay safe. You know, don't